The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. We're so thankful to have you here. Our numbers are toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. If you have a question about your cat, your dog, your flamingo, your parrot, whatever animal, whether it's a grooming question or a vet question, we have Dr. Debbie here as well as Joey Villani. And uh, coming up on the show today, I was wondering about that. Spit it out. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who makes the Cat of Thrones toilet seat for cats is going to be back on the show with us today. What is he doing this time? You know, he's invented a no-chemical flea collar. And a lot of us, you know, we hate putting those harsh chemicals on Mm -hmm. our animals. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Here, we're passing it around the studio. It seems to be some kind of wood. What kind of wood is that? It's some kind of cedar. It's beautiful. It smells good. I can smell it from here. I know, huh? Apparently, we like it, but fleas and bugs don't like it. So he'll be on the show with us in just a few minutes. I think we'll have giveaways there. So be listening if you're fighting the fleas. What are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? Uh, that's really nice. Um, I have a new list out uh, that we're going to share with you about the dogs most likely to run away. Really? <laughs> certain, mm-hmm. certain breeds will run away more than others? I didn't know that. Yeah, not a whole lot more, but there is... Uh, a couple of breeds that are, are more than twice as likely to run away than other breeds. And when you're talking about running away, that's pretty stressful. So wow. we want you to know about it. Yeah. Wow. This is interesting. I didn't realize there was a breed that was predisposed to yeah. this kind of behavior, but we'll find out more with Lori Brooks yep. right around the corner. Do they put the knapsack over their shoulder, you know, yeah. with the little with the stick? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever run away from home, Joey? Yeah, I did. I think I got two blocks, and it was raining out. I still remembered it was raining out, and I decided, well, maybe this isn't a good idea. <laughs> so I went home, and I hid. I hid to make them think that I ran away, but um, they found me. All they did is follow the wet footprints to the closet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Thanksgiving is just around the corner for all of us, and we're all very thankful to have our animals with us. Robert Semro is going to celebrate with five things in the pet world that he is thankful for. Yeah, I'm thinking of all the things that I'm thankful for yeah, with my pets. Lots. They've changed my life. And we're also going to be talking to a lady who, her dog, her little three-pound dog, changed her life. It's I mean, dramatically. what these animals can do for yeah. us. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, go to the phones for your calls first. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Oh, hi. How are you? Hey, I'm doing quite well. <laughs> Hello. Quite the uh, gynecological day around here. My really? What's God. What's going on? <laughs> Well, we may have talked about this before about um, vaginal surgery or episioplasty, kind of having plastic surgery for your female dog's um, girl parts. Yeah. What, what, what was the purpose of that, really? Well, it, it's not something aesthetic to make them look better or more attractive to the males sure. out there. It's a health thing. <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for female dogs that have um, a prone to vaginal infections and bladder infections or even bladder stones. Um, kind of doing a tuck back there can really be life-saving, and um, it can improve infections in some females almost 80% mean, of the time. A vaginal tuck on a dog can, can mm-hmm. help with stones? Yeah, so for female dogs, uh, what can happen is they get like 
some females, especially if they're spayed really young, and this is maybe one argument why we don't always spay every female young, their, their vaginal area just doesn't develop well, and there's more skin that kind of folds over top of it, and it creates a kind of a pocket, if you will, where they're prone to infection. So, yeah, we basically cut a little crescent of skin and move the edge of the vaginal area up, so it kind of lifts things, so we kind of create a, uh, get rid of that moist corner that this kind of all hides. Better in. drainage. Yeah. I have a question, teacher. Yeah. I have a question. Teacher, my hand's up. I have a question. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Al. Okay. Is this something they teach you in vet school, or is a lot of what you do sort of kind of making it up as you go along from what you know? I, Al, I don't make it. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> I, I, with, with humans, you have these certain things and you, there are certain treatments, but right, I, I'm not right. sure. Is this, a, is this something you were taught in school? It, just it, it is It is an actual standard procedure. Okay. You know, I can't say I learned it in school, but um, it is definitely a kind of a procedure that most vets know about, know when to use it. The interesting thing is I just keep seeing tons of dogs with vaginal problems, and it, it really seems like a lot of folks don't know that um, you know, got to look at the girl stuff back there and make yeah. sure you keep them trimmed, and hygiene is so important back there. Yeah, okay. Well, good to know that. <laughs> What, so what, my doggy gynecology yeah. practice continues. You know what? How it's it's funny you should say that because I was wondering the same thing. Well, you know, I mean, because well, because there's so many. There has to be so many um, health issues, and you wonder. I mean, I know you spend a long time in veterinary school, but then then you have to say, well, how many have you not come across that that all of a sudden they say, okay, this is something new. This is well, and the, the other reason is you mentioned the turtle where you had to uh, kind of ad lib and put a wheels onto a turtle onto a shell and that's something i can't imagine you learned in school what i'm thinking is there's a difference between a cook and a chef a cook is somebody (laughs) who you tell them to make eggs they can go make eggs a chef is somebody who understands the knowledge of what different flavors go together and they ad lib in the kitchen and they make something that tastes good so you understand what i'm saying are you a chef or a cook as a I'm definitely a chef. I'm not a good cook. <laughs> well, but here's another example. Last week we had a baby chick with a bad leg, so I had to MacGyver a cast using a paperclip as exactly. a splint. <laughs> what about wheels on a turtle? I, just, I, don't, I don't remember talking about this. That was when we had a, a, a tortoise that had its leg injured and we had to amputate it. And then, you know, with only three legs, they kind of go and they hit the ground. So we have to provo- provide that wheel as support and just to let them kind of move around. I wonder how many kids in the house thought that was that, you know, that, that, that toy, you know, car that you, that you <laughs> roll backwards to get some, you know, put it on the Hot Wheels track. Hey, we did use Hot Wheels at one time. Yes, you did. <laughs> we did. Hey, Cindy. Hello. Welcome to Animal Radio. I've got the good doctor, Dr. Debbie, right here. What's up? Hi. Well, hello, Dr. Debbie. Um, We listen to you every Saturday morning when we're traveling, so we appreciate the good advice. Oh, well, Um, thank you for tuning in. (laughs) I have a three-year-old golden doodle. Um, She has been being cared for when we're traveling, when hotels won't take her um, in a kennel. It is a veterinary kennel. We did a Bordetella um, shot booster. We do them every six months mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of June. And they said there was a new strain of Bordetella running around. So because the um, veterinary clinics or the CDC cannot keep up with it, they thought an additional booster would help her. And now she's okay. to blow it. So we did a booster about three and a half weeks after she had the first one. 
and we brought her home, and now she's trying to clear her nose, constantly sneezing, and it feels like she's trying to blow her nose. And okay. She's lethargic. Is she? Okay. And this is, I'm sorry, how long after that vaccination was given? Um, um, it was about, oh, my, I have it here. Of course, it's in the pile of papers. It was about three and a half, four weeks. Okay. All right. And, you know, I guess the, the bottom line with Bordetella is that there's, there's different types of vaccinations. So there's an intranasal form that's kind of like the flu mist vaccination. So like little kids get that, um, nasally sprayed. Uh, and there's an injection form. And, and I'd have to say we do see some potential, um, clinical signs after an intranasal Bordetella. Usually it's pretty mild and self-limiting, a little sneezing, coughing, reverse sneezing, that horrible, like, <laughs> kind of sound um so usually it's pretty um short in its duration um kind of depends if i have a pet who's really sick then i will definitely do some lab work on them and we can do specific testing for different agents and whether or not it you know we can say it's from the vaccination or not um you know i I have had the occasional pet have those kind of clinical signs after a nasal bordetella vaccine but i still believe in the product and it can be very good for a pet that has a upcoming boarding visit and it gives us um kind of in a pinch in the quick time frame it gives us some of the best protection um, on that uh, short timeline um, but that being said, you know, I want to make sure your, your baby's well. And if necessary, you know, I would certainly see if we need to get her treated or, you know, maybe at least on an antihistamine to help control some of those signs for her. Um, okay. Uh, antihistamine such as Benadryl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, often Benadryl. There's some other ones that we'll prescribe as well just to kind of help, you know, minimize those clinical signs of the sneezing, coughing, um, that type of thing. Okay. And, you know, if, if a dog does show a sensitivity with these kind of signs after a nasal bordetella vaccination, then, you know, we might really look at giving the injectable form in the future just to kind of avoid that potential. And it sounds like you're a good parent and you're up to date on shots. Um, so that might just be a good strategy for her in the future there. So the injectables are a six-month inoculation, or are they a year? You know, there's a little bit of some controversy with that. And some of that we discuss on the lifestyle and the exposure for the pets. Um, here we typically, using either product, we'll do that on an every six-month interval if we have a pet who's in a more of a high-risk group. Um, and that would be pets that are boarded, that go to the grooming parlor, go to pet shows, things like that. Um, if it's only the occasional animal exposure or minimal, um, then usually we just stick with that once-a-year um, vaccination, whether we use the nasal or the injection form. But, uh, well, I, I appreciate that my vet likes to be very safe, and so we do it every six months regardless. You, <laughs> just, you just show up here and get your dog groomed. We're going to make you take the shot so or take the nasal. So mm-hmm. we, we've been doing nasal, but we've never had the symptoms where she's trying to blow her nose. Um, mm-hmm. My husband has one more question about it, and he was wondering about exertion. I mean, she loves to swim. and mm-hmm. And we didn't want to, it's the time of year where we take her down to the lake and she just swims until her tail goes cold. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to keep her away from that that situation. But um, he doesn't know how much exertion because she will play with the ball and swim until she. we have to go out and get her. <laughs> 
Okay. So this is unrelated to her kind of sneezing thing right now. You're just asking right. if, if that's too much for her to do that. Right. And, you know, there is a condition we call swimmer's tail where basically a dog can sprain their tail. And after really intense swimming, retrieving um, activities, they'll actually have pain in the tail where they don't want to raise it. They mope around. And it can be really uncomfortable. You know, if we're in that category, then I'd say we need to temper things down. But if she seems to recover pretty well, we're watching the, the ambient temperature and it's not too hot out uh, for that level of activity. Oh, my gosh. My dogs will retrieve for an hour at a time um, as long as the conditions are right. So if she's enjoying it and seeming to physically hold up to that and not having a sore tail afterwards, then I don't see a problem with that. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. Pretty cool or what? You're listening to music that is specifically made for cats. That was so soothing. I could that, put me to sleep. You hear the purr in there and yeah. all that? Yeah. Uh, scientifically, it purr. did it? <laughs> it made yes. me very relaxed and mellow. Yeah. Uh, David Tai, he is a musician, a composer, an artist, and he will be joining us in just a few minutes. He's made this CD called Music for Cats. And I believe, did you talk about that a couple of uh, newscasts back there? Mm-hmm. Music for it's Cats. It's a perfect story. Yeah, it it was. And uh, we we had to follow up on it and find out. Especially, I wanted to know a little bit more. Here's the weird thing is that so many people are downloading this from iTunes now. It's one of the top CDs over there. You're kidding. Wow. But I think a lot of these people are downloading it for themselves, themselves, not for their animals, not for their cats. (laughs) That's kind of music I listen to in my head thing at night when I go to sleep. Yeah. So in just a few minutes, we'll find out. And I think we have some giveaways of his uh, CD coming up, too. So composer David Ty, music for cats. Bring your cat around the radio. We'll play another clip of it in just a few minutes, and you can see how they react. Our cats uh, all get very mellow and start kneading, making biscuits. (laughs) That's what they do. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Yet another perfect story. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there is a new Guinness Book of World Records in the world of cats. So we'll tell you what that one is for coming up. A Guinness World Record involving cats. Okay. Mm-hmm. Joey, where are you working on over there? Um, if your dog has crazy hair, like Phyllis Diller, um, <laughs> and you can't control it, I'm going to tell you about a regular common um, product that you can get in most anywhere, a drugstore, even a dollar store, and um, control it and make your pet look wonderful. Oh, You know what? You have all of these inexpensive tricks of the trade that I'm sure are pissing off groomers <laughs> nationwide when they hear you yeah, tell, well, a, tell the trade what are secrets. What you going to do? 
Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you what. When they pay me what Animal Radio pays me, then I will stop doing it. <laughs> so there you go, groomers. Kick up to the kitty, and there you go. Okay, let's go to the phones for your calls. If you want to talk to Joey Volani because he's paid to be here and answer your questions, or if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie about your veterinary uh, issues with your either your veterinarian or your animals. You know what? She can give you a second opinion if you think your veterinarian is just, you know, way off base. We're actually working on the technology to hold your animal up to the speaker. And let her diagnose it. And let her diagnose it, yeah. 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 Uh, still working on that. Okay. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hey, doing well. How can we help you today? Well, I have a uh, black lab mix that I got from the uh, shelter, and she is a wonder. She's about three years old now. And uh, very well, you know, went to uh, obedience training with her and learned how to, you know, sometimes you got to train the uh, people to train the dog. Oh, yeah. So I learned, I learned all <laughs> the steps to, uh, and she's wonderful, can teach you to do the paper, sit, stay. She has this odd behavior, maybe this is more common than, than uh, I think, but she likes to, uh, if there's other dogs, like we go to a friend's house and uh, take the dog with us and... Uh, in the backyard, if they find uh, she finds feces from the other dogs, she wants to rub her head in it. Ooh, and, oh, lovely! And then come running back and show us how proud she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't oh. eat it or you know anything. And uh, I guess two questions: Is that unusual? And second, how, how can I help uh, stop the uh, behavior? Yes, uh, it, it actually is not all that unusual. Um, I'd say more dogs tend to actually ingest feces, but there are a good amount of them that will roll in the fecal matter, and they do. They come back so proud and happy about it. And, and it's interesting because there's a lot of behaviorists out there. We really don't know why dogs do this. There's a lot of theories out there, and the, some of the theories are that, you know, they're either masking their scent or they're picking up the scent of, uh, you know, where they've been, and they're kind of using that to tell the the other pack members where they've been, but we really don't know why. But they enjoy it. They love it. Um, right. So it is kind of a self-rewarding behavior. So uh, gross, definitely. <laughs> I don't think anyone would argue with that. The, the hard thing is because it is a self-rewarding behavior, um, you have to actually prevent it from beginning in the first place or you've already lost that ability to train her out of that. So that means the challenge is we have to, in, when she's faced in these situations, we have to do a couple things. One is to try to control her movement. So um, either keep her physically away from the areas where the fecal matter are or we keep her on a head collar, like a gentle lead harness. And that way when she kind of gets near the material, you can direct her another way. But we also want to remember we don't, it's not supposed to be about disciplining or correcting her when she does this because that actually is, um, in my eyes, I always kind of compare that to the small toddler or the small child that does something wrong and gets yelled at and is like, ooh, I got attention, you know, you know, it, negative attention is still attention. So they're still rewarding the behavior. So we ignore it. We don't say, no, 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 don't do that. You actually look for something else we can motivate her with at that time. And the best thing is if you have a combination of the head collar and something else. So I will use squeaky toys. I'll use toys, treats, frisbees, whatever she really digs, um, other than the fecal matter. <laughs> use that as the alternate uh, toy or behavior. So um, it is hard, especially if you're over at a friend's house and they're kind of doing doggy fun and playing and rolling in that. Um, but it, it means just kind of taking control of the situation and not allowing her to do that and okay. uh, give her that outlet. 
And, and you can actually even go through little practice sessions with this. You know, go to a neighbor, you know, your friend's house, and have her on that, and, and start doing the doing a little semi training away from that. And uh, you know, that way you can hopefully let her, her enjoy some of that freedom and that dog play, which is just part of being a dog. Hey, don't knock uh, it till you've tried it, okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's doggy perfume. I appreciate all your help. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight. 6-6-4-0-5-8-4-0-5. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. We all love lists, don't we? They're just, you know, it's always fun. And they're simple. Uh, but there's a new one out that's really interesting. It's a list of the dog breeds that are most likely to escape, you know, get rid of your... Uh, get out of your backyard, rather, or, you know, run away. And that's just such a scary feeling to even think about. My gosh. You know, you mean there are some breeds that would actually be more predisposed to running away? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to find out if, if some dog breeds that may be more prone to getting lost than others really was a, a real thing. Business Insider asked Whistle. Now, Whistle is a company that makes a GPS and activity tracking dog collar for help. And Whistle has an app with its dog collar that you press tracking and it will tell you how many, you know, it will immediately in real time start tracking who's ever the dog probably wearing the collar, but it will track it in real time. And then they also have those figures at their headquarters. So they checked with them and here are the breeds most likely to run away from their owners in the U.S. Now they rank this by median tracking events per month and I, I truthfully i had to look this up because uh, i forgot what median and mean and all that stuff was but the median is the middle value in a list of numbers and honestly most of these breeds are pretty close to the same number of times they are likely to run away per month but we're going to give you the rundown okay at point nine times per month so not quite once a month we have the australian shepherd the bernese mountain dog and standard poodle right and then a little more likely to run away at 1.2 times per month, we have some more big dogs, Great Danes, St. Bernard's, Great Pyrenees, and a few of the different types of coon hounds, plus the ever-lovable Pitbull mix, which is not a breed, but that is how they named it on this list. Okay. Now, then uh, at the second most likely to run away or get out is the Bloodhound at 1.5 times per month. And the number one dog that runs away the most is the Anatolian Shepherd. I, I don't which even typically, know. yeah, These are all escapes big dogs. just over twice a yeah. month. I would be out of my mind. Yeah. But the only good thing about it is at least these dogs are easier to spot. Because I mean, they're so great big. Dane walking through your neighborhood. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, it's not like a chihuahua. That's a very good point, Joey. 
Because um, the company says that dogs under 10 pounds are not represented on this list because, uh, frankly, their brand of GPS collar is just too big for them. Uh-huh. So, you know, little dogs fit through holes and fences much more easily, so they are uh, probably more likely to get out and uh, not be found. What was that easily. number one? Anatolian what? Anatolian Shepherd. Anatolian Shepherd. Not a big yeah. dog. Okay. Yeah, a lot of big dogs. Big, big dogs. Uh, from the journal Developmental Science, in experiments with 40 regular dogs who were pets, a team from the Canine Cognition Center at Yale. Did you even know such a place existed? <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> they found that uh, dogs will only copy a human's actions if doing so is essential to getting what they want. Now, really interesting is that the same is not true of children. Now, when people repeatedly demonstrated actions that were useless in solving a puzzle, these dogs ignored the action. If there was a more efficient way for them to complete the task, they say the dogs, you know, they're very human-like in their ability to learn from social cues and things like us just pointing. So the experts were pretty surprised to find dogs, frankly, ignored the human demonstrator and learned how to solve the puzzle on their own. Here's what they did. Uh, The researchers put dog treats inside of a box that had a a cardboard box lid on top of it. Now, lifting the lid was the only necessary action for getting the treat out of the box. But when researchers taught the dogs to use the box, they actually first flipped a switch that they had just, you know, like a fake one put on the side of the box. So the dogs really quickly figured out that the switch had nothing to do with getting the treat. All they had to do was take the lid off. (laughs) So they went right for, you know, the direct action. They just started taking the lid off and said, forget it. I'm not going to use this switch. It has nothing to do with it. But previously, when I said that children are not the same, the researchers had taught uh, children to solve a puzzle by doing the same thing. But when kids did it, even though they had figured out that they didn't have to flip the switch or the uh, the lever on the side of the box, they still continued to do it. Hmm. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not quite sure what that says, but I'm glad I have dogs. <laughs> now we've all seen big cats, right? <laughs> we talked about a really big cat a couple of weeks ago, I believe, the one that was mistaken for a mountain lion yep. at a winery. Uh-huh. This one is nearly this one I'm talking about now. This new record breaker is nearly four feet long. His name is Ludo, and he's been named the world's longest cat, the world's longest cat who is still alive. That is by the Guinness Book of World Records. Now, Ludo is a Maine Coon cat. That's a pretty big breed, and he lives in the U.K., and he measures 3 feet 11 inches long with his legs outstretched in front and behind him. And that's just a hair shorter than the longest cat ever that also happened to be a Maine Coon. As for Ludo, his owner got him as a three-month-old kitten after seeing the breed. You probably remember this in the Harry Potter films. Uh, but she quickly realized that even at so young an age that Ludo was still larger than most other Maine Coons his age. And she says because of his unusually huge size, he's not as agile as most cats. In fact, she says he's kind of clumsy. <laughs> and he cannot hide as easily as other cats either, so he's always pretty easy to find around the house. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going today? Good. Where are you? I'm in Albany, New York. How, how can we help you? Well, I have a Himalayan Blue Point cat, uh, about six or seven years old and he has that acne where he gets uh, black stuff under his chin and around his eyes and we used to give him prednisone shots but we we think that's probably not so great for him in the long run so I'm wondering is there a remedy of some kind that we could use to help with the gunk around the eyes and chin oh absolutely and is that all that's been used so far is just the the steroid shots yeah pretty much Okay. All right. Because acne in cats is actually very common. And uh, basically what you've described, they get little blackheads along the chin area or even on the sides of the face. So there, there can be different causes of this in cats. So I'd like to look first and try to figure out what potential causes are we dealing with. And believe it or not, a good proportion of cats with acne can have problems like mites where they can actually have a type of ringworm that could be causing that. So there's some steps that we do to sample the area, screen for that first before we get on a long-term regimen. And I would definitely prefer to use many different other things before I'd kind of touch into the whole steroid well, because that, that would be my last option if I could avoid that. And, and there are some topicals that I commonly use for acne if we've eliminated all these other causes, the possible things, um, as far as the types of antibiotic salves, uh, benzoyl peroxide creams that you apply to the area and uh, those are more of a maintenance thing so we, we don't really cure this problem we're really going for the goal of maintaining and just controlling the problem so that that I'd make sure you get in your mind that there's probably not a quick and easy cure unless we find mites or a ringworm infection or something like that um, but there are some other products um, you mentioned that like the the eye discharge, which we see a lot in Himalayans, and it's kind of like uh, their MO, if you will, is to have the brown gunk by their eyes, very common in the breed. And, and some people will use um, either products to clean them. Um, there are some tetracycline-type antibiotics that we can give orally that can help to decrease the facial staining associated with that. Um, but again, I'm not a fan of using that long term. It's more just kind of a temporary kind of clean things up. Um, but I would really say that um, for your kitty, you're probably dealing already with tons of hair. The last thing you need to worry about is ha- popping zits on the chin. So I would really see about get some sampling there on that chin area and make sure we're heading down the right path. Um, but then get you set up with some good uh, gels, maybe like Pyobin gel, which we use on the chin. And I have had some colleagues in dermatology have some good success with a product. It's um, it's actually a newer product, um, and it's called Duxo, D-O-U-X-O. And it's a spot-on treatment you put on a couple times a week, and it helps with some different seborrhea conditions. 
And um, I haven't used it myself, but some of my friends have used that and said that it works nicely for cats with chronic acne that we don't really get under control with other issues. So might be something else to kind of consider there. Best of luck with that, Mike. I know that we had uh, one of our cats had acne, and it turned out just to be the bowl that they were eating out of. It was a plastic bowl that would grow uh, mold and all kinds of yucky yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, plastic can scratch, and then bacteria gets the, in there. And then when the cat eats out of it, it gets on the chin. So if you use like a ceramic or a metal that can wash, you can wash it really well. Well, went away as soon as we used a metal bowl. Yeah, and it can be kind of like an allergy, a contact allergy with plastic bowls. So, yeah, you hit upon that right. And then there's other things like food allergies, too, that we can kind of get into. But that's kind of a secondary thing. So one 405 right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Like I said, we'll go back in just a couple of minutes, but first I want to visit with Dr. Alan Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton is a brain surgeon. When I say that, I'm not joking. This is what he does for a living. He is also a consultant for Gray's Anatomy. Hi, Doc. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Awesome. Splendid. Looking at your brand new book, it's called Lead With Your Heart, Lessons from a Life with Horses. And now this seems kind of like a weird thing that a brain surgeon (laughs) would be writing about horses. Well, I've been training horses for 30 years. My grandfather was a cavalry officer. I taught riding at camp and uh, been training horses now for 30 years. But um, it's sort of my uh, my right brain job. My left brain is uh, doing the neurosurgery and all that stainless steel and uh, pinpoint accuracy, and then I go and work in the round pen or in the arena, and that's sort of my right brain uh, moments. And, uh, you know, over the course of 30 years, I've learned a lot of things from horses uh, that I've been able to apply to the rest of my life. So it works both ways. Mm. What have you learned from horses that we can apply to our lives? Well, I think the the first thing is that uh, horses teach you that you are more connected to the world around you than you really think. And uh, horses are great uh, teachers of being mindful of those connections. I think the second thing that uh, when you train horses you realize very quickly if you do it a lot is um, when you come up against an obstacle with a horse, it's almost always you. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, in your book, you talk a little bit about agendas. And, yeah. and horses don't have agendas, generally, that we know of, but people right. do. Well, I mean, when you're training a horse uh, and, you know, you start to do things like you look at your watch and you go, I've only got 20 minutes to work on this, or, you know, God, I wish you would get uh, over that jump. 
Um, what happens is the horse senses that you're no longer really mindful of the partnership with them, but that you're more after something from them. And what happens is the horse starts to sense, geez, you're not here for me. You're, you're not showing integrity. You're after something, and you want something from me. And what happens is the horse begins to say, you're turning back into that predator that always makes me so leery. And so agendas uh, hurt relationships. They hurt relationships with our spouses, with our children, and they hurt relationships with our partnership with horses. And it's much better off going, I've got my lifetime with you, and I'm going to invest in that. And whether we get over that jump today really as, isn't as important as whether we make progress as partners. Wow, I like that. You know, I think it applies to dogs, too. You know, I see Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, she, she watches you very closely for your... Yes, she does. And she can tell when you're, you're, you're not telling the truth to her. <laughs> <laughs> she knows when I have an agenda. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, horses, horses and dogs are, uh, you know, there's this wonderful Native American folklore tale about how humans developed their own separate language and started hunting down all the animals and the creator separated all the animals from the human beings and the human beings suddenly said oh we're so sorry we 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 made a big mistake please forgive us and at the last minute the horse and the dog jump over to stand next to the two-legged and we do have these unique relationships because we grew up together with these two domesticated species who changed our lives so much but you have to remember they're exquisitely tuned into us yeah. you know they're they're sifting through uh, subliminal messages and body language, and uh, they even have places in their brain that respond directly to human faces, particularly for dogs, not horses. But, you know, you have to realize, man, they're, they're very sensitive to what we're thinking and what we're feeling. Are humans the only uh, species to lie? Well, uh, you know, uh, it, let, let's say this. Yeah, we, yeah, I think we're the only species that say falsehoods. That's not to say we're the only species that's sneaky. My dog, every once in a while, will look up at the kitchen table and say, there's a sandwich up there, and then he'll look at me, look at the sandwich, look at me, look at the sandwich. But he waits for me to leave the kitchen before he takes a stab at, at grabbing <laughs> at it. So he knows, he knows what he's doing. But, you know, they're not deceitful. You know, you don't have a horse that says, hey, come over here. I'm going to pretend to be your friend, and then when you get close enough, I'm going to knock your block off. They're not like that, and dogs aren't either. They, they, they broadcast loud and clear what they're feeling and what they're meaning. And there's never, you know, I've worked with uh, kids out of the juvenile justice system with horses, and one of the things I always start off with is I go, this relationship, there's no deceit. You will get out of it exactly what you put into it. And for many of these kids, it's the first time they've had a relationship like that. Mm. It looks like an intriguing book. I've only had a chance just to crack the beginning of it, but rest assured after the show, I'm picking it up again. Lead with your heart. Lessons from a life with horses. The author, Dr. Alan Hamilton, joining us. I have two copies to give away. And I will preface it with it came with this new UPS special service that UPS has where they drag it behind the vehicle with... <laughs> so they... No. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we're going to send you two new copies. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and give them away toll-free right now, 1-866-405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get through, head on over to Amazon and order this puppy up or uh, uh, your local bookstore if you still have one in, in wherever you live. Lead with your heart. Lessons from the life with horses. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Take care. Okay. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to have a guy on who makes a toilet seat for cats. <laughs> okay. I'm very curious about it, but he also makes, and this is very cool, he makes a collar out of wood that detracts 
fleas, other flying insects. It's, a, it's actual. It's a wood collar. It's cedar wood, and I guess it's supposed to repel all biting insects. Yeah. Is that that good smell? Yeah. Isn't that great? In the studio, you can smell. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, it's my really grandma had a closet that smelled like this. <laughs> and, yeah. She, she told me that it was to get rid of the moths. Keep them out of your clothes. Yes. So this will especially work if your animal has a moth problem. <laughs> Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll give away some of these collars in just a few minutes and talk to this guy right here on Animal Radio. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, this hour, composer David Ty with Music for Cats. This guy has developed a whole CD of music. It was designed for your cats to calm them, to relax them. And when you listen to it, and I'll play a cut in just a couple of seconds here, but when you listen to it, you hear purrs, you hear licking, you hear uh, certain notes that he has researched. Uh, he knows that these are sounds that cats like. Wow. And it's really weird because I've seen like these CDs, I've seen dozens of CDs like this, mm-hmm. to be real honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, but not like this one. In fact, we put this one on in the studio and the cats really tuned into it they it really got their attention it changed their mood they relaxed and it also calmed me and that's that's why we're <laughs> oh, having yeah. him on is because anybody that can calm Hal is a friend of mine <laughs> the uh i'm not that bad am i <laughs> this this guy has sold so many of these cds that it is suspected that there's a, a large human contingent that are listening to these cds and they're topping the lists on itunes wow so uh and in fact we'll have giveaways of the cds and we'll play some of the music coming up in just a few minutes so if you have a cat bring them around the radio and you can see how they react to this music also on the show in just a few minutes, we're going to have a guy who's invented, uh, well, his first invention was toilet seats for cats. That was years ago. But he has a brand new invention. It's a collar for your dog or cat that's made out of a, a cedar wood. And the fragrance that it gives off, which I think really smells good, by the way, I would be a horrible flea, uh, <laughs> despite what my ex-wife probably, fleas and uh, uh, bugs and flying insects, they don't like the smell of this wood. So it acts as a real good flea protector without the chemicals or the pesticides that... Uh, oh, nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I yeah. like that. We always have calls. People say, is there something natural we can mm-hmm. use for fleas? Listen up. We will have giveaways today of that in a few minutes. Miss Lori Brooks, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, something I'm really excited about because, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty rare, I think, that we animal lovers get such a great real life story. And this is in the form of a movie, oh. which opens this weekend. That's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls. It's toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Or you can ask your questions from the free animal radio app. Download that puppy now. Let's go to Robin. Hey, Robin, how are you? I'm doing fine, but I have uh, several questions to uh, ask you. Uh, Okay. Where are you on the debate between uh, the benefits of canned food versus dried uh, dog food? 
Um, for dogs, um, I guess there's, there's less of a debate with dogs, I should say. With cats, the debate is that canned foods, um, are superior because they're more like their natural diet, higher in moisture content. And especially in an older cat, that's more protective for the kidneys in, in conditions where they're not taking in as many fluids as they're Now I'm older. thinking of dogs primarily. So in dogs, you know, there's, I'd have to say it really depends on the pet's health conditions and what's going on. Um, there's a lot of great dental diets out there um, that actually have some benefits for dental health. And it's not just slapping a label on the food saying it's good for dental health. It's actually, if it has the Veterinary Oral Health Council uh, seal, then it, it actually can help to prevent tartar buildup um, just by that chewing action. So that's one big thing is that dry food can help with dental um, conditions and dental uh, buildup. But it really depends a lot on the dog because um, I have, in pugs are some dogs that sometimes because of the way that they swallow and gulp, um, dry food can actually sometimes they'll regurgitate it or vomit it up more readily um, uh-huh. than if they're eating a canned food. So it, it kind of depends on what other types of health uh, issues we're dealing with. But for most dogs, I would say dry food is the best for convenience, for dental health, and uh, consistent stool quality. Is that what you feed your cats? Dogs? I do, yeah. Mine are just on, and, and every now and then, if there's you know something, you know, after a dental cleaning, I'll use canned food, or if we're nursing someone who's sick, um, I'll I'll go to canned food, um, mostly for its appetizing nature. But uh, is for, that the same the, with cats? Do you feel the same way with cats? Because I know they they can get all kinds of kidney problems. Right, but the the idea with cats is that uh, canned food is probably closer to their natural diet than, ah. say, for a dog. Um, so the high-moisture food for a canned product for a cat is actually probably more reasonable as the best way to help maintain their weight and to help, you know, maybe even offset some of those kidney problems later mm. on. Okay. Robin, you have another question? I am feeding a diabetic dog some special uh, canned and dried uh, food that I get from the vet. I don't know uh-huh. if it's uh, kosher to mention the, the brand. But I, I read the contents, and then I check it with other quality canned uh, dog food, and, and it just doesn't uh, measure up, yet that's just what is prescribed. It's a, it's a weight maintenance and uh, glucose, uh, glucose tolerance food. Yeah. And I'm and you know- wondering, uh, it has all kinds of stuff added into it but basically the first ingredient in the can is water and the second is pork liver mm-hmm. and then it will even go on to uh, specify chicken flavor somewhere and i'm just thinking that that doesn't sound like quality to me yeah well the the old um, comparisons that we have for prescription foods and for just kind of over the counter uh, say organic foods if you're trying to compare them you really cannot put them side by side and, and there's a couple of reasons for that um, and I know that uh, the, the foodadvisor.com years ago had horrible things to say about prescription therapeutic diets that are designed for specific health conditions and the reason is you cannot pull those ingredients and put them side by side with a general food for everyday um, uh, feeding. Because when we're managing a medical condition, we do have to add things in. We may need to limit some of the different ingredients, but balance them in another way. And that's where veterinary nutrition really comes to play. So for me, if I have a diabetic dog or cat, I really do feel that a prescription 
diet is going to be the best way to help manage their glucose levels and keep them in consistent levels throughout the day. Um, I don't really get hung up on, you know, is it liver protein or chicken protein or, you know, um, you know, canned food always has the number one ingredient is water. <laughs> That's why it's recommended for pets with kidney disease is because it is 75% water. That's just in nature, canned food. Um, but there's so many good benefits in helping to keep, um, it, for a dog, to keep a steady glucose level. We don't want those peaks and valleys that we can see if they're eating um, food that has, uh, say, gravies, which have maybe more sugar in them, um, or that have different types of ingredients that may have a higher glycemic index that aren't going to be the best thing for maintaining that. So um, I, I, I hope I answered that. Is that I, I wouldn't worry about it. I would follow your advice of your veterinarian on that one. I see. All right. Well, I do throw in a little tiny bit of ground uh, turkey on it. Because you have to, right? You just have to (laughs) because everybody feels that way, right? We all feel we have to doctor our dog's food. And I'm just, I'm hardcore. I just, I'm a tough mama. I put the food down and they eat it. And uh, Uh (laughs) so I understand the motivation to want to make food better than it is. And if it makes you feel better and we're not getting overweight, then hey, I I won't give you any grief about it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Thank you. You've been most helpful. I I appreciate your uh, input. Awesome. Well, take care of all the little puggies. Okay. (laughs) Thanks again. Robin just called toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. That's the best way to get through to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani, the dog father. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Did you know it's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health? Learn more over at redbarninc.com. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List. Five things in the pet world I'm thankful for. Thanksgiving's here and I find myself once again thinking about how blessed I am to be a part of the pet world. It doesn't matter if you're deeply involved in the pet world or someone who is owned by a pet. Your life is fuller and richer because of it. So in honor of being thankful and acknowledging it, I'm going to share five things in the pet world that I'm grateful for this year. To begin with, I'm thankful to have known, been loved by, and to be loved by the wonderful pets in my own family and those that I meet in public. It's truly changed my life in ways that I could have never imagined, and to say it's been a blessing is an understatement. From sugar to Zoe to our fish, tortoises, and more, our family pets have been as much a member of the family and have had as big an impact on my family as anyone can. So when someone out there wants to knock me or ridicule me for saying I'm a pet parent, I say go ahead. I know I'm blessed to be a pet parent and that my family is blessed to include humans and animals. My pets taught me the true meaning of unconditional love, living in the moment, and to find joy where it may otherwise not exist. Next, I'm thankful for those who care when there are so many to care for. I'm so humbled to meet so many wonderful people who give selflessly and tirelessly to care for homeless pets and pets in need. From those with special needs to those abandoned or lost to causes that impact the well-being and safety of our pets, thank you. You make a difference, and it is appreciated. I'm also grateful for advances in medicine, technology, and information. The advances that we continue to see in the pet world are encouraging and inspiring. Things that may have resulted in different outcomes in the past are being overcome by the use of technology, 
new medicines, and an open-mindedness that allows for innovation and inspiration. I'm also thankful for those who do what they do because it's their passion. From creating charities to creating products that make a difference, increasingly the pet world is filled with pet-loving folks who are motivated by passion more than profits. They're willing to stand up and say why not instead of accepting what is. They keep the pet world evolving for the better, and I appreciate it. I'm thankful also for all of you who create, speak to, listen, read, write, and share in the pet world. It's no secret that the pet world is a tremendously large community. Still, as a community, we don't often receive the warmth and welcome we should. As humans, we're flawed and individualistic. As part of the pet world, may we come together and cherish what's right and not focus on what's wrong. Let's strive to make the pet world even better, safer, and more enjoyable. Last but not least, thank you to Animal Radio, those who appear on it and those who listen to it. Thank you for being a part of my pet world family. Share what you are grateful for on our Animal Radio Facebook page. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. If you have cats, I bet you didn't realize there's a connection between common health problems in cats to the type of litter you use. Ammonia forms in the litter box and can cause vomiting, diarrhea, drooling, panting, and even upper respiratory infections. You can stop this by switching to Cat's Incredible Litter. It has patented technology that stops ammonia from forming, with all profits going to help animals in need. Available now at your local pet store and Petco stores nationwide. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. I'm putting together my Christmas list. We'll start early. Well, you know me. I usually wait till the last minute. I know. What are you talking about at the Seven Eleven on a uh, November, or excuse me, December twenty fourth, and that's usually. Last year, I got that air freshener for you. Yeah. Thanks. Did you like that? Yeah, that Christmas I, tree one. That, yeah, is it still in your car? Yeah, it still is. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of you know leave it there because I know you'll get me another one this year. <laughs> you bet. Maybe not even a, a tree. It might be some like I've seen lemons now. Oh, an orange. wow! I, I oh, wanna, surprise gonna, me! Yeah, I, I don't want to <laughs> ruin it. Yeah, don't give it away. But I do shop for my animals much better than I shop for my friends. And I think Lori and Joey, you can attest yeah. to that. I, I'm looking at this new collar that just came across our desk. It's really... It's not, unique. It's it is different. unique. It's like beautiful. It. It's a wood collar made out of uh, little wood pieces that bend so that it can flexibly uh, wrap around your animal's neck and it has a it serves a purpose not only is it just a beautiful collar but it's like cedar wood yeah is that what it is i believe so we'll find out i think we have the inventor on the phone with us norman hey norman yes sir how are you doing Al? very good norman strodak is joining us he is the founder of Deravos fashion and cat thrones toilet seats for cats so before i get to the collar here <laughs> Let's talk. I knew those were going to come. Yeah, you know what? You can't put that in your title and not have me not ask about it. So you 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 make cat thrones toilet seats? Yes, it's uh, cats of thrones toilet seats for cats. It's uh, that was basically what got uh, got us into the pet industry in the first place. This little cat that we have uh, uh, as our ambassador, Tabby, 
she really just changed our life. And uh, do a lot uh, of people uh, use or have their cats use the toilet seat? Quite quite a few. Um, Really? Right now we have over 10,000 cats on the system with a 92% success rate. Wow. Uh, You know what? I I heard about this, and I wanted to do it just because we spent a lot of time cleaning litters, but I just am already waiting in the morning for the bathroom. I (laughs) can't imagine having to wait. (laughs) I've heard that a couple of times, too, believe it or not. But, uh, yeah, the, the one thing that separates us from, there's only really two other products. I mean, in total, there's three products in the market. Uh, the other two products uh, don't actually have a seat for the cat. They try to get the cat to use the human seat, uh-huh. which, you know, the, the key word there is human. It was never designed for a cat. And Cats of Thrones is an actual seat for the cat. So it's made ergonomically for the cat's uh, comfort, so they're not stressed out trying to balance on a uh, really narrow platform. And uh, it's worked out very well for us. Okay. <laughs> I I got to tell you, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued by that. The collars that I'm holding in my hand, which have nothing to do, these are more, I guess they can be for cats, but they're primarily for dogs. Well, yes, I, actually, and I have to correct you on that one, too. It's not just for dogs. It is. It's actually for dogs. It's for cats. It's for people. People. And it, this is, it, it is going to be kind of a learning curve for people because once this clicks, it really clicks with people's understanding. The wood, as you mentioned, is a very particular wood. It is a eastern aromatic red cedar. Uh, we could also use Siberian cedar, but uh, aromatic red cedar has a very distinct property of killing and repelling biting insects. Wow. And we're not just talking about fleas or ticks. We're talking about mosquitoes, bed bugs, noceums, gnats, uh, virtually all biting insects with the exception of spiders. But we're even working on a concept for that as well right now so we we have these even as bracelets for people so the whole family can be protected i'm wearing mine right now i'm, I'm smelling mine yeah, and it, i'm wearing it i'm amazed that that's actually the smell of the wood there's not any stain or anything that i'm smelling that is 100 percent natural cedar wow. and uh yeah see, if, if you think about it if you go back uh you know to our childhood or <laughs> even our grandparents childhood uh cedar was used uh ah. All the time for for closets, for chests, to you know, to keep uh, clothes protected from moths. You know, we always think about moths, but it's actually insects. Cedar is an antimicrobial wood. You can bury cedar in, in the ground and pull it up a hundred years later, and there's no mold, there's no fungi, there's no bugs on cedar. Eastern mm-hmm. aromatic cedar, that is. How much do these puppies cost? Well. <laughs> Right now on Kickstarter, we have incredible packages, which, by the way, we are launched on Kickstarter right now. Um, they're going for as low as $39 for a single collar, and that is with a five-year protection plan. And we have packages for three collars, six collars, and above. You know, they go over $200. Mm, these, these are awesome. They smell really good, too. Can we give away one of these here? Yeah, let's give away one. Okay. Uh, so if you want to pick up on one of these Deravos these look like they're kind of a small collars. Yeah, they're for a small dog. And uh, you want to give it a shot? You can, of course, you got to report back to us. Let us know how it worked for you. Call us toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. And then the Kickstarter campaign. We're going to put links from AnimalRadio.com to the Kickstarter campaign, but you can also check out the website Derevos.com. That's spelled D-E-R-E-V-O-S.com. The makers of the Cat of Thrones toilet seat for cats. <laughs> 
uh, which is. But how, how if, if if I may actually, uh, a lot of people get that the uh, they misspell derevos. Derevos, by the way, it's the Russian word for trees. Oh, my wife is Russian. My wife is Russian, so that's uh, kind of how that that came to be. But we created another website that links right to us. It's called woodpetcollar.com. Woodpetcollar.com. So woodpetcollar.com. Go check it out. And Norman, thank you so much for hanging with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. And in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have David T. He's a composer that makes music for cats just around the corner right here. So uh, grab your cat, bring him to the radio. Uh, Lori, what are you working on over there? Uh, probably one of the best stories we've done all year. Oh. There was a bachelor party. This is Animal Radio. Why are you talking about a bachelor party? Yes. Because it turned out to be the best thing ever for some puppies. And uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> The Movie Man six-second DVD review starts now. Nine Lives is a movie about a man trapped in a cat's body that's better than being trapped in a theater watching Nine Lives. I'm out. Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappylandAudio.com. That's HappylandAudio.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. There was uh, the classic, a streetcar named Desire, right? And now there is a street cat named Bob. And it is the heartwarming true story of a stray cat that helped change the life of a London street musician, and it premiered recently in London on the big screen. This movie, Pretty Good, is based on the best-selling book of the same name and stars Class of the Titans star actor Luke Treadaway as James Bowen, a recovering drug addict who 10 years ago found an injured cat, an orange cat, at the shelter where he was staying because he was homeless. Both of them were homeless, apparently. He named the cat Bob, nursed him back to health, and the two developed this wonderful bond. They were just inseparable. And Bob the cat would sit on the shoulders of his new owner as he played music on the streets. And, you know, that was all it took. It was a complete life turnaround because it was such a unique sight to see a cat out in public sitting on his owner's shoulders as the owner is playing, you know, music in public. So it led to this big change and a best-selling book for the formerly homeless man. And now it's a movie. And Bob, by the way, does, Bob the Cat, does play himself at several times during the movie. Twin panda cubs, giant panda cubs, were born at the Vienna Zoo back in August. And they are officially going to be named at a ceremony, a big celebration later this month after animal lovers in an online poll got to pick the name for the male cub. The Austrian zoo had already chosen the name for the female cub. You see, her name is Fu Feng. F-U-F-E-N-G. And um, it was about 12,000 people who voted. And the male cub, they have decided to name Fu Ban. And his name means happy companion. You know, there's two of them. So they probably felt that, you know, it was more comfortable to name the female earlier on because she's a little bit bigger. But both of the baby giant pandas now weigh about 10 pounds each. Uh, They've come a a long, long way after being smaller than a stick of butter when they were each born about three months ago. Of course, twins are pretty rare in giant pandas, and rarely do both of them survive. So it's going to be a pretty big celebration at the ceremony just before Thanksgiving. 
Now, when you think of a bachelor party, you know, you, rescuing adorable puppies isn't what you picture. You picture, you know, that other stuff. Uh, truthfully, it wasn't the plan either for a group of buddies in Tennessee who were celebrating their friend's wedding together. You know, it was a typical, supposed to be a typical bachelor party. They were all staying out at a cabin in the woods and cooking some bacon. How guy-like. When a hungry-looking dog showed up at their front door. This skinny pup was friendly and, they say, too cute to resist. So they gave her some food and gave her some water. And after they made friends with the dog, they all noticed that she was very protective of a certain area where there was a small hole in the ground out in front of the cabin. So what do they do? Of course, they annoy the animal. (laughs) They look inside the hole, and they find a puppy in there peeking out. So very carefully, there's eight of these guys, and they were able to dig out seven puppies from the den. So suddenly, all these guys who were, you know, planning this macho uh, bachelor party, they had planned to go four-wheeling out in the woods, and, you know, they're changing their plans, and their beer fund suddenly becomes their puppy food fund. So eight friends at this party each took a dog home, plus the mom, because there are seven puppies and the mom. So now all of these puppies live within just a few miles of each other, and they have loving forever homes with the guys who saved them. Isn't that the sweetest? That is such a great story. That's awesome. I love that, too. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Incredible, incredible music. Very relaxing music, and that is uh, that is Katie Moss Catwalk, and that comes off music for Cats album one, just released and on iTunes, and doing spectacular on iTunes. Music designed specifically for your cats, even though there seem to be a lot of humans that like this. And we have the composer on David Ty. Hi, David. How are you doing? I am well, thanks. Tell us about the inspiration of this CD that you made, music for cats. Well, it. Uh Interestingly, I guess it, it started as just a test of the theory of uh, how music affects human emotions. I put together this, these ideas and thought I had come up with something like the recipe, you might say, of how music affects us and where it comes from. And so one of the tests of that is uh, if I was right about the recipe, I should be able to take the ingredients that are now designed by and for humans and exchange them with the ingredients, you might say, for another Species. So the first test was of cotton top tamarind monkeys, 
and uh, <laughs> they did a study at the University of Wisconsin, and uh, that turned out to be successful. It was the first music that uh, showed appropriate response from any species other than human. And so after the success of that, then I thought, well, I'd like to bring it to some animals that are more commonly around us than the endangered species uh, cotton-top tamarind monkey, and so cats were next. Did you uh, research the uh, the sounds that the cats liked and uh, figured out what they liked and what what vibrations made them purr? Or? The research involved basically the trying to find out uh, from, say, if you have this column over here, column A, these are sounds uh, that trigger emotions in humans, and they basically came from two categories. One the sounds we heard in the womb as our brains were developing, and the and the other category of our how we use our voices, and uh, so then I tried to translate that into what are those categories for cats? So what what were the sounds that a cat heard as its brain was developing? And so so over here, you know category A there's pulse. All the music of all cultures has pulse. So I figured that a reward-related sound that all cats will have heard as their brains were developing was the uh, suckling sound, kind of a shh, 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 shh <laughs> That's sound. what that is. That's right. what that is. I was trying <laughs> to figure out what is. that sound was in there, because I hear the purr. Right. And uh, I, I think the purr is in most of the songs. Is that correct? That's right. Well, the purr, you know, I should. Uh, I don't use any actual animal sounds in the music. Oh. It's all instruments, um, and that's got its own kind of reasoning in the theory is that... Uh, uh, being slightly mysterious, it will tend to people you, you, or, or animals, you don't get used to it. Um, the idea is uh, there's something, a uh, principle of psychology called habituation, where uh, a sound that will trigger some kind of emotional response, like an attentive response, like if you get an ice maker in your fridge and it starts, you have a new refrigerator and you hear, at first you're going to hear this clink, you know, when the ice comes down. After a while, when the upper part of the brain says, don't worry about it, it's not a threat, if that happens often enough, well, then you don't notice it. Right. So the emotional response is turned off. Well, that tends not to happen in music. And so if I used actual animal sounds, I think the animals would listen and go, okay, well, that's, I know, I know a cat, that's not a cat, forget about it. So, so what's making the purring sound? Well, I have something like 26 different purr instruments Really? Is that, as you can imagine, uh, most of it's just electronically modified in ways um, because of the cat's acute uh, hearing. Um, some of the modifications have to happen in a way that we can't really tell, but they could tell because they kind of have a high-resolution, you know, hearing. And so, so I can see it when I'm looking at it. I can see the difference between one instrument and another and what I need to do to modify it. It's kind of hard for us to hear the difference, but but the reason purr, you know, uh, human moan, you can, can it's not hard to hear the connection between kind of moaning and music and moan, and the human vocalization, the human moan. We moan in pleasure and in pain, and it seems odd that it would be the same, the same sound for such different feelings, but when we consider that. They're both intended to elicit the same response from the listener, a kind of sympathetic response, you know, you feel me, this, then, uh, it makes sense. And cats purr, as we know, 
when they're content, but they also purr when they're in pain. Mm-hmm. And they don't purr when they're all by themselves. So it is a communication. And so mm. the purr is to the cat that kind of communication of uh, a sympathetic understanding. So if you can put that in the musical form, basically to the cat will seem something like, well, okay, that's that's not a cat, but somehow, but it makes me feel understood. It makes me feel like, you know, it's in my language, you might say. We're with David Ty, and he's created an album that's specifically for your cats, music for your cats, that includes sounds like purrs and licking and all of the stuff that makes them happy. We'll be back with more and giveaways of the CD coming up next. Six-second review starts now. A terrifically entertaining superhero origin story. You'll like getting to know Doctor Strange. I'm in. Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappylandAudio.com. That's HappylandAudio.com. It's Animal Radio. The music of David Ty in the background. Music for cats. Do you have your cats around the radio? They like it. They dig it, don't they? telling you in just a couple of minutes we're going to give away a copy it's it's definitely intriguing and you know what i'll be honest with you we've we've seen cds like this before and i've played them before but they did they had no reaction the cats didn't couldn't care less we put on your cd the cats all gathered from the entire studio so there's something that you're doing absolutely fantastic are you surprised that it is doing so well especially on the human side that humans really like this well, I'll tell you, the, uh, I'm certainly happy that the humans like it, too, but it is designed in a way. You know, this, the music that I wrote for the Cotton Top Tamarind Monkeys, I did just monkey music. I had no reason to put any human compote in it, in it. And the researchers all found that monkey music to be irritating. And, in fact, it turned out to be something that the Chuck Snowden, who did the test, as a primatologist, put out to his colleagues to say, you know, we put on our music when we leave many times and leave behind music for our captive animals, but there's no reason to necessarily think that they like this. This may be irritating to them, just as monkey music was irritating to humans. And so mm. I thought, if I design the cat music that's irritating for humans, the cat owner is just not going to put it on. So the bass register down in the bass clef, basically the low register... This is a register that uh, the cats can hear sounds down there, but it's not meaningful to them. It's below their vocal range, and so it doesn't trigger any kind of emotional recognition. So basically, down in the bass clef, that's where I put the human music as a layer and blend it with the music on top, which is the music for the cats. And so I do put down there music that's intended to be palatable for the cat owners as well. And and actually, the 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 where the where I'm going now with this that I'm very happy with, I'm writing things I, I kind of called shared music, where I found that if you can you can develop that music on the lower level and blend it with the music on upper level, so that they share melodies or pass them back and forth, so that the idea is that this connection between pet owner and pet is enhance you can actually appreciate the same music at the same time we just got a twitter somebody's asking whether there's a music for dogs if you have a if that's well dogs are coming up okay i should say horses are next because 
I basically designed the music for horses to know what I want to do and uh, and made my first set of horse headphones and tried them on my wife's horse. <laughs> horse headphones. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like that idea. Uh, dogs, I might add, are going to be, they're very complicated. It's it's just surprising how, in fact, I'm frankly scared of it. Every time I start into it, I realize yet another level of complexity because of the difference between the breeds. They're much more connected to the human voice. Uh, recent research showed that they process the words in one part of the brain and the intonation of the words in another like humans do. So they know the difference between good boy and good boy. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus you got that whole thing going on where they can hear uh, frequencies we cannot hear. Exactly. Although, I'll have to say, although dogs get the press, cats can actually hear higher than dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what we bring across to them through our speakers, they only go up as high as we can hear, of course. No reason to make speakers for, um, you know, for sounds that we can't hear. So, uh, and I think the other problem is that if it's effective for dogs, uh, they're probably going to want to sing along. Sure, you wouldn't want that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. But you know, the frequencies. If let's say an analogy that you're painting a picture, essentially the music for cats might only be two colors to them. Right. Well, that's a. I think a beautiful and extremely fitting analogy. I think to myself of, you know, the shrimp mantis, the mantis shrimp that can see colors that we can't see. Ah. If it were painting a painting and showed it to us, we could. Well, I like it, but this whole side of the painting is just gray. And they go, what are you talking about? This is the best part of the painting. Uh, I got Music for Cats off of iTunes. Where else can we get it? Uh, at musicforcats.com in the United States and Canada. I love that, that you're doing this, but I love that you are thinking about how to make an animal's life better and that you have that kind of heart. Well, thank you for that. You know, I, I tell you, it is the first step, and I, I'm collaborating with uh, Alexandra Horowitz at the Dog Cognition oh, yeah. Center. Probably had her on. It's Good just, friend. She and one of the things that attracted me to hers and her work so much is she is able to try to think like a dog. You try to, and so I think that's the whole key is you, you know, see the world as that animal that species would see it and that is what i'm what i'm kind of after and the long-term goal of this actually all is to create music for captive species because as we go across the world and kind of ransack the place we're squeezing out more and more species that are only viable in captivity and we we tend to stick them in a square cement room and feed them and you know bob's your uncle but wow that is beautiful so if we can bring some kind of enrichment to them, I think uh, we owe it to them. So I hope it I hope it takes off. Okay. Can uh, I give you a virtual hug? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I accept it from long distance. Thank you. Let's uh, go ahead and give away one copy right now of Music for Cats, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. you got to report back. Let us know how your cat liked it. Now, if you are interested in getting the CD, you're not lucky enough to get on through today on the phone lines, you can head to the website musicforcats.com, musicforcats.com. And, of course, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. It is definitely time for us to get on out of here. I see Roro wants a walk. (laughs) Yeah. And if you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
We'll see you. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Animal. Animal. Radio Network. Network.